Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You just be sitting up there jacked I'm there for the pot goat. You just got to pack me in committed to the bow early on like i love getting close and putting up you cover a range of stuff on here too right like we call this the uh, the thp world headquarters you know my grandpa roy weatherby i came into like that golden little pocket where there was like four or five different bowls just you're canadian we're doing yeah, a canadian I... podcast my name is douglas Bowes. i'm robbie denning Wolfgang. i gotta record for that pete's got some gloating to do oh sorry I'm just stretching here. This is heavy. I got to brace myself. <laughs> oh, you know what that is, Trav? You know what that what is? is? What is that? That'd be that'd be a gold medal, a gold medal. Nice at, at the Bighorn 3D. Holy! Um, yeah, that's not silver because <laughs> on our podcast, if you're not first, you're last. You're last. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. You know what's wow. so, Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty sure you want to know who finished second, Trav. I, be, I bet you'd like to know that. I'm going to guess uh, Muck? No, no, not Muck. Muck, no, Muck would have been oh, okay. good competition there. Muck would have been some great competition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, fortunate to see that. <laughs> get time. it out. Come on, just get the, just get it over with. Get it out. Oh, yeah, yeah well, that's okay. Great. That's right. You're waiting there. It, it's, it's you. That's right. That's you, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, second place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I'm trying not to go that. I was, tra- I was trying not I'm, to go that far. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to take that off. There, my neck's gonna be sore. The podcast here. Oh, well, your neck's been holding that head of yours for how many years? So, I'm. I'm just wondering about the ego. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's already there. Don't worry. About that. <laughs> yeah, uh, he did it. He did it for the <clears> listeners <throat> listening. He did it. He he beat me in the 3D shoot. I'll give it to him. Yeah. Was no it excuses. close? 
Tell me it was close at least. It wasn't too far out. I got I got to give it. Kevin was having some bow issues too. That oh wow, like yeah, it is what it is. There's still like, no pieces though. Like because Kevin shot his bow too much because that's I see him shooting every day. So yeah, yeah. Well, he decided to bring a Frankenstein uh, bow sight with him that he put together from a whole bunch of sights. Oh. That was pretty cool, but Kevin. it didn't work out. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't, that wasn't the issue. The issue is with the string. Oh, that's right. Your strings. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The yoke serving pull slipped on the string. Oh, no way. Yeah. yeah. So the yoke was Jeez. pushing on the top cam. The yoke, the <laughs> yoke was pulling on the inside of the bow more than the outside. You could actually literally see the cam when you looked at it. It was like leaning hard to the inside. Oh really? So I yeah. had major camling going camling going on, but beat beat me. I'll give it to him. Yeah. Well, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I think next year, Trav, you're gonna have to come down. Yeah, I might have to make it a big family vacation down here. <laughs> so how's it going, Trav? Uh, good. Yeah, really good. It's been a little bit hectic here lately, but. I now I think I'm past everything um, that I had to go do on my schedule. So now I can stay home and get caught up on all the orders that I'm so far behind on. <laughs> it's uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's been challenging. <laughs> is that, is that, a, is that one of those good problems to have? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm familiar with those. It's good until it's, I mean, it's always good. It's always good to have work, yeah. but man, it's nice to have some time to yourself sometimes. Oh, <clears throat> I don't know what that honestly would feel like. I think I'd go, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll see in se- I'll see in September. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. It's true though. I mean, you get used to something for so long and then it all of a sudden it becomes, yeah, it becomes part of your everyday day to day. And then, it's funny. Yeah, it seems it goes away, and then all of a sudden you're like, you feel kind of uncomfortable that it's not a rat, a rat race or a gong show. Yeah, see, September is really exciting for me because you have all your hunting still, but then you still have like the second, third, and fourth orders for stores. So you got to be coming back to keep those up to date as well. Yeah. So it's kind of a it's a juggling scenario, I guess, but. The only good thing is the elk are kind of smart because when the you know when the cows aren't in estrus, there's no bugling going on, so mm-hmm. it's nice and quiet. So that's four or five days or ten days, depending what they decide to do, of uh, freedom for me to come home and build. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> well, I think we we already had you on the show, as the listeners know, uh, so we don't have to go through the whole spiel of who you are and how you got started and all that stuff. So we can just dive yeah. right into the fun stuff of. exactly yep let's do it awesome so um we kind of went over last time we kind of went over some of the basics of elk calling and uh i'm gonna be honest with you i said by the next time hunting season comes around my calling is gonna significantly improve and it hasn't no (laughs) no. i didn't even practice i'm gonna be the first to admit i'm hey uh, hey I have to admit, I'm probably with you. I haven't done a whole lot of practicing either. <laughs> so if my if my bugles are off tonight or whatever, uh, 
we'll we'll take blame together <laughs> yeah we're not even sure if pete's going to be able to uh, elk hunt so he's he's not too worried about it he's got a moose tag and he's got forest oh. fires that burn on his neck of the woods so you know i did see some of those pictures that were posted yeah that's that's, that's not good no i know i had one i had a couple of my areas burning this spring so i was just i'm in the same boat you are you know i was I haven't been out to see what's left and what's what's there, what's gone. But yeah, it's scary. Luckily, I, luckily, I got a few other places to go. So yeah, yeah, that's nice. So do you do you spend a lot of time scouting? Is that like kind of one of your, or do you already have your areas figured out? Well, I I'm normally I have my my areas all figured out, um, but this year actually I have what do I got? I've got about seven cameras. Um, some are normal trail cameras. Some are uh, cell cameras um, that are kind of looking at new areas for me. Mm-hmm. So kind of that's what I try to find every year. I try to find a couple, you know, two or three new spots that might hold the hidden bowls that yeah. you don't you don't know about and stuff like that. Other than that, it's kind of my same old stomping grounds that I normally go to. But yeah. Yeah, I uh, I had to switch everything up, and I have not having any luck yet. But uh, I'm gonna go, I'm going mm-hmm. out again in uh, the beginning of August here, so I'm gonna switch switch everything up again and uh, try to get down to a little. Yeah, try to find some new areas um, that hold water because the areas that I had that I thought uh, were gonna hold water, yeah, they completely dried up. Which I mean is typical when you have zero precipitation and it's over thirty degrees for. Mm-hmm. A month i guess it's been <laughs> i mean you know see that's uh that's opposite what i'm seeing here like the beginning we had nothing but forest fires and now like right now it's raining here as, as we speak and yesterday it just pommeled us like crazy like it, you could have ran you could have had sailboat races going down the side of the road oh. and then uh, same same thing this morning my buddy's like hey we should unload our jet boats right in the middle of the road and and rip right from there <laughs> i'm like yeah there was so much rain coming down you pretty much could so yeah yeah no doubt yeah yeah i know you guys are really struggling with just the fires and the heat at the beginning of the year man uh-huh yeah luckily uh yeah. luckily for you guys it, it cooled down because man it wasn't looking good i like from just how it started out it, it was like like i thought the whole northern end of the province was going to be gone but you know they end up with fort mcmurray part two yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. And the funny part is they were right in some of my zones where I've hunted my whole life. So I was like, I didn't even want to drive out and look and just yeah. see, you know, where the smoke and all that was because it was just, honestly, it was pretty devastating. So yeah. I stayed home through it all and uh, did some fire watch with me and my wife on one of the fire fires that was really close to town here. And then that kept us kind of busy. And then... <clears throat> kind of heard about where some of the fires are that were in my areas that I normally hunt and realized, you know, one was kind of going right on the north side of it and the other one was still quite a ways to the west. So I felt I was pretty safe there. But so I honestly still don't know how far it encroached on some of the areas, but that's kind of why I'm scouting the new areas, you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's always good to have another card up your sleeve for sure. Yeah, exactly. And on all the cameras so far, I got um, lots of different bulls, lots of cows and calves, 
and I kind of cheated it. You know, I took the quad around and <clears throat> quadded down different cut lines and oil lease roads and logging roads like we all have here. And uh, just while I was bombing around, honestly, all I was really looking for was the obvious, uh, the bull, bull raking trees and stuff like that. So if I found uh, rubs, then I literally just put it in the, in the, in the iHunter app and, and uh, kind of went from there and then decided, you know, once I got home, I looked at where all the points were and then decided some good spots to throw up a camera and kind of went went that way so now luckily the you know the cameras are doing some of the scouting for me so yeah that's nice that that like i don't know where i'd be without the use of trail cameras man like i would just be i it would it would just be it just frees up so much of your time i guess you'd have to go back to the old-fashioned way where you'd have to spend every second weekend or every single weekend (laughs) out scouting and looking for actually putting eyes on the animal yeah whereas now you can just kind of set it and forget it and come back and be like well uh, i don't have anything on there anymore and i see why because like in my instance <laughs> there's no water within any reasonable yeah. range so I, i'm gonna have to move on but it definitely makes your september a, whole there, a lot uh, easier yeah it's funny you say that you know you went back to the old school because I, <laughs> I was texting with my buddy dylan last night there and i actually used those exact same words as like you know I really realized how spoiled we are with the cell cameras now. Uh, there's, I got four other cameras that are out there. I, I got to go all the way out there and check them, right? It just, <laughs> it seems like so old school and know. you know so primitive. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. <clears throat> I remember back in the day when I was bear baiting, we used to have a little green box that had a a clock timer in it, and you actually ran a tree across the trail, and it tied into a little zip like a tie zip when it pulled on the zip it actually stopped the clock and then when you went back and checked it you know a couple days later or whatever you push the zip tie back in and the clock comes on oh yeah i'm like okay that's as primitive as it gets you know (laughs) time stamp that's a good idea it tells you a lot like by just dates times (laughs) like that's one thing you take for granted now especially oh these trail cameras is man like <laughs> like I, yeah. i've done it too where you like you forget to set the right date or time on it and you're like damn it ah. yeah obviously I, I mean you could look at your clock you can look at you know your phone or your clock and your watch and be like okay well if it's 12 o'clock now and that's reading this t- took a picture of me at, yeah you can do the math <laughs> and figure it out but uh it's nice if you yeah after that for sure are you guys allowed to run cell cameras there year round uh yeah we are no yeah shouldn't they yeah, we get yeah. shut down as of I think it was last year, the year before, wasn't it, Pete? Yeah, it was. I think it was either yeah, it was last year, or the year before, because you were able to use them before. But I think, I think they were finding a lot of people where they would have them set up. But I'll take a town around here. It's half a kilometer away from a conservancy with lots of elk traffic. Okay, so guys yeah. were going out putting them up there, and you know they're they're ten or fifteen minutes away. Boom cell cam would go off oh elk there yeah they're just like now so it kind of what i heard from the ceos down here it was more to just make sure that uh there was fair chase which is the big thing with bc i guess and so they just decided enough was enough and there was enough abuse that they took it away so yeah yeah lots of people weren't but enough people were yeah it's funny actually i i agree 100 on that um well for one you know i would 
when you're out there chasing elk, who knows where they're going to be anyway? It, you know, are they going to be close to your cameras? Are they not going to be close to your camera? I don't really know. And when I get out there, I get on the game trails and I just start going wherever they are and follow the bugles kind of thing. But having said that as well, like I'll have my cameras out for the next couple, two or three weeks still. But then before the season comes, probably about a week before, like we open August 25th. So I'll literally go and I'll pull all my cameras anyways, because you guys all know if we leave cameras up and some other hunter stumbles across them, they're going to be gone anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather just take that opportunity away from them and, you know, put them back on my shelf and, and go from there. Right now I'm collecting all the data for all where all the cows and calves are anyway. So it's not going to matter come hunting season. The cameras will be pulled and I'll already know where the girls are. So where there's yeah. girls, there'll be boys. Right. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. find they by the end of that time they're they're pretty much set up where they are and where they're gonna be and the bulls yeah. are gonna come to them. Yeah. 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 And how I ran it this year, I I literally looked for the elk rubs and then in our areas, they just kind of circle back right to where they are anyways. So if there's elk grubs there from last year or the year before and the year before that, they're coming right back this year. They, mm-hmm. You know, they really have no reason not to. So it's almost like cheating. You know, you find the elk grubs. Okay, they'll be back in September or sometime. So I'm doing the exact same thing here. I find those nice little alder patches or whatever you know, yep. where, wherever the birch trees are. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy smokes. Yeah, that's new. That's new. But, oh man, yep. you start looking around and all within, you know, a hundred meters, there's nothing but rubs from the last decade. And it's like, okay, this is definitely getting a waypoint. Like, yeah. This is a spot Maybe not every year, but guaranteed every other year. That's right. Like they're just, there's something there that they love for whatever reason. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And if you've been to different areas where you've hunted it in years past kind of thing, then you kind of know what the old rubs look like. And, and if you see a brand new rub from last year, you know, if it's just a small little tree, just, you know, kind of picked on a little bit, or you see the other tree that's kind of right beside it and it's absolutely destroyed and demolished and broken in half. You're like, Oh, okay. You know, that was probably later in the season you know, once those bulls got really worked up and, you know, it definitely wasn't early in the season because there, they're just kind of rubbing velvet and mm-hmm. marking their, their scent and stuff. But, you know, you see those big ones that are just destroyed, you know, when, what time of year that was. So well, that's a good point. I've actually never even thought about that, but <laughs> yeah. 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 You'll, you'll notice now when you go, you'll be looking and if you go to some of your areas, you'll, you'll notice it. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay, yeah, thanks, boys. Uh, talk to you later. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Awesome. good tip. Yeah, cool. So um besides that, what else can what else are you doing for this time of the year for scouting and um right now, honestly, I'm doing a little bit of e-scouting, e-scouting. which is something I do every year, no matter what. And quite frankly, right through the whole year, because I'm always looking for what's down this draw or, you know, this draw leads to that Creek and this Creek leads to that river. Um, Man, there's a cool spot over there. How do you get to it? 
you know, my mind's constantly like 24 seven kind of going that direction always. So I don't know if it ever really stops, but you know, this time of year, especially because now, you know, in another 25 days or 30 days, whatever it is now, we actually get to put, you know, foot on the ground and we can actually, something I really love to do is scout while you're hunting. Like Mm -hmm. it's probably my favorite thing to do. Basically get on the game trails, see where they're all going, looking for rubs, marking rubs, you know, marking wallows, marking, you know, the direction of travel that the elk are actually taking versus, you know, just seeing tracks. Um, That's something I'm really constantly looking at Mm -hmm. because there's just, if they're going a certain direction for most of the tracks, you'll notice that on some of the game trails, they're usually going one direction. Um, There's a reason why. And I'm the kind of guy I need to know why, like what's down there. Why are they following those tracks? Like why? So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good tip and investigate those. Yeah those areas that you find places like that. And I've found that too. Yep. Like this one area for the, you know, this is a few years ago. Um, and early on, I, like we're talking like June, end of May, early June, mid June, I'd always have some elk, like good bulls, one directional walking past this trail camera, always never coming back, never the same bull. Right. And then later on, I figured yep. out what was going on. This was just, they're going from basically A to B. And then, you know, it took me a while to figure out where B was. Um, and, you know, it it was one of those things. Yeah, it was just like, man, like for the longest time, I'm like, well, I seen them here in June. They should be here still. And like, there's water here. You know, there's cover here. Yeah. Why aren't they here? But then, it, like I said, it took me a while to figure out like, hey, this is, yeah, the, all those elements that they need are here. But there's one thing that's missing and the cows aren't here. So they're, they're in a mm-hmm. directional path. They're going somewhere where you know historically they know where they're going to be and uh, yeah. where the action is going to be come september yeah so i guess i what, what i would question i know you're doing e-scouting as well so what i'm looking for i'm looking for cut blocks i'm looking for draws um pipelines the draws are going to have water you know pipelines have all the feed off the pipelines i'm looking for the the big thick deep cover but also down in the draws that can be thick deep cover as well. So especially our bulls here, they like to get in those little draws that are just chalk, you know, willows on each side and mm-hmm. just thick as can be. Um, so not necessarily they go into the big, big, tall, big timber, but sometimes they're just down in those little draws where there's always going to have fresh running water. A mm-hmm. um, little harder where you guys are. You got, your hills are much, much bigger than ours and stuff. Um, so it's a little easier for me to get in our hills and find the draws. But still, during my e-scouting, I'm literally looking for not really just one draw going down the hill, but I'm trying to look for two or three that combine into the one. Mm-hmm. And then from there, when I'm putting boots to the ground, I'm going to that point where the three are meeting because that's probably where most of the water is going to be. And it's going to be thick down in there as well, but that's going to also hold more of the elk because there's more substantial water versus having one little trickle. They got three coming to one. That's going to be nice, ice cold water. And, uh, and it's going to be down in that draw enough that they're secure from predators. They're secure from other hunters, all that stuff. So you might, 
you might want to employ that a little bit and uh, try to look for some of that on your e-scouting. If, mm-hmm. if you can see where two or three of those little draws kind of come into one. Yeah. Now, that's a got, good point. You got an area like that, not only for drinking, do you find that in a spot like that with multiple draws coming in that you'll find a wallow in an area like that? If you think that that's a congregating area, just, you know, as a marking point, like if I was an elk, be like, I want to put a wallow or I want to put my scent to where the most animals are going to smell it to know I'm the king of the castle or I think I am anyway. Do you find yeah. that or is it just hit or miss? Well, most of the wallows that you're going to find will be at the head of those little draws. Okay. Cause there's a little, cause around here anywhere, anyways, that's, it's a little spring coming out of the ground and that's right where the wallow will start. And that's right where the spring starts. So that's why they develop a wallow there. They start pawing at that ground and all of a sudden, you know, over the years it becomes a, a bigger hole and a bigger hole and wider, longer. And then the trickle of water just keeps on going. Um, and then they just, they just keep hitting it. But as you progress down the hill into where those other draws are merging, it's usually just a, a stream of water, but you'll have major game trails that cross it. And those trails will be like black, like going down to the water, they'll play around in the water and then they cross over and go back up the other side of the ridge. So, um, that's the that's the key is getting down in there getting on those trails and look at it on your phone because you guys have your maps on your phone you got uh on x you got eye hunter use whatever you can and literally get on those trails i always carry a compass with me as well so once i see the trail i can take a compass reading on it and then get on your map and really have a good look and see which direction it's actually going and it'll you know, if it leads you right to that draw, definitely follow that game trail because you want to see where it crosses at. If it leads you down the side of the ridge and you're going to miss that little draw, you might want to keep going down the draw till you hit a different trail that is going to take you across the water. So my whole thing is I want to cross the water at different points just to see what's going on there. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the... With e-scouting too, like the the one thing, if you're if you're looking, f- a lot of people, you know, you don't know what to look for or even where to start. The best place to start is water. Those those yeah. places where you got major wa- running water and you know it's not going to run out. Because I know, like the southern end of BC here, where I am anyway. I mean that it doesn't take long for you get like I just was saying that you get these hot days for months on end. It doesn't take long for those water sources to dry up to almost nothing. And like you said. You yep. start getting a few few animals hitting it because it's not just the elk hitting it. It's, you know, you got deer, bears, everything else working it too, right? It doesn't take long for it to, yep. to dry up. So those major water sources are definitely, uh, that's a good yeah. Thing. Yeah, the key is finding those springs that are really mm-hmm. coming out of the ground. And there's no magical way to find those, unfortunately. It's just a matter of stumbling across of them, for lack of better terms, when yeah. you're out there, you know, scout hunting. Um, yeah. But like you said, if you're doing it while you're hunting, right? Well, you know, if you're spring mm-hmm. bear hunting, it well, yeah. spring's kind of tough because everything's running like a bastard then anyway. But yeah. I mean, like in the fall, while you're doing your summer scouting, <clears throat> uh, setting trail cameras out, just, you know, if, if, yeah. if you've gone down a path a hundred times to get to your trail camera, take a different route or go around yeah. or take a little extra walk, right? Just do some check different ground out, different areas. Uh, while yeah. you're doing that, just ex- expand your 
you know, you could still be hunting in the same area and you never know. I mean, you might stumble across something that, you know, you never even knew was there and you've hunted in that area for who knows how long. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's kind of one thing I'll do. Um, I'll try to make a big loop and, you know, end up right back to where you started kind of close. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of, uh, you guys know me. I like to stick to the game trails as much as I possibly can. But, uh, my buddy Dylan, sometimes I go scouting with him. If I let him lead within five feet, he's off the game trail. And now we're cutting through the (laughs) middle of the bush. So sometimes that works out good. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, wasn't last year, but the year before we actually stumbled right into, uh, a nice little wallow area that had like three or four wallows and huge rub trees. And, and then the trails become very apparent in there. And it was honestly just luck of the draw. And we, we wouldn't have found it had Dylan not got off the trail and we just yeah. stumbled aimlessly through the bush, right? <laughs> like the blind leading the blind and Dylan will tell you the same. It was, uh, I followed him for a while and then he followed me for a while and we were both sweating and, you know, getting, going uphill getting tired and all of a sudden it kind of opened up to this little mar- marshy area in the middle of the bush and holy crap look what we just found and then uh we went along found a couple more wallows found the huge rubs got into the main trails and believe it or not the main trail was leading us back out to actually where we wanted to exit the bush anyways even if we were going to do the loop around and uh, it was kind of funny. So we got halfway out on the trail and, and uh, just for shits and giggles, we sat down on a log and just, you know, took a breather, ate a granola bar and had some water and thought, well, I'll let a, let a bugle go and see what happens. And sure enough, as soon as we bugled, it wasn't 200 yards away. The bull that had been making all that, all that sign down in there, him and his cows, he just let a ripper go back to us so it's like oh okay he is here right so yeah so we call that never know man you just never know that's why it's good to yeah yeah sometimes those just they work out and i mean i've i've done it too or it's like trucking through the bush and like not elk hunting but deer hunting and like all of a sudden you think you're lost and like where the hell am i and you sit down and you have a breather and then i remember this one i was hunting mule deer and then I look, put my head up, look to my left, and there's a giant mule deer standing there looking at me. And I was like, you know, oh, no. never would have got <laughs> really? him if I never would have got him if I didn't, you know, if I wouldn't have just got lost and oh that's, yeah. You know, if I would have if I would have just stuck to the way I came in, I never would have ended up there and never would have ended up with him. So I mean you never yeah. know. That's why it's good to that's why it's good to expand and you know, don't get lost to a point where you're gonna get lost, but yeah. Uh, yeah. You expand out by 50 yards and then another 50 yards your next time, then another 50 yards, you're still going to have a good idea where you're at, but it's, it's crazy what that 50 yards. Oh, like you think what you're seeing from, from where you're at, but then it's like that little dip or whatever is holding that magical wallow order or something. You're just like, Whoa, what is this? Yeah. Well, in the area that I hunt now and I've hunted there for quite a while, this was before, I had access to all these wonderful apps that that you have now. I would just walk around and just get lost and be like, and but I always knew which direction I had to go to get to the main road to get out. So it doesn't matter. Like sometimes I ended up 20 kilometers away from the truck, but I always knew if I just stayed on that road, I would end up back in my truck. And I, 
you know, a lot of times I would just walk around aimlessly and get lost and okay, that's <laughs> enough. I got to head back south and, you know, pull the compass out and just head south. And eventually, sure enough, the road was long enough where you're going to come out on it. And then I'd be like, okay, yeah, I got to go east to back to my truck. And, but I mean, you'd be surprised how much, how well I learned that land. Like now you could blindfold me, drop me off anywhere in there. And I, you know, within reason, I'd be able to tell you where you, where I am or, how to yeah. get out or you know or what animals are where and i mean it, it's great habitat in there there's elk in there there's there's um, lots of whitetail so it was uh it was just one of those things but yeah you just you never know that's why it's good to get out and get moving and <clears throat> e-scouting is good but you know um it's just it's not the same i know especially here for nbc it's like you could be looking at an area and you'd be like man that looks so good and then you go to put boots on the ground you're like man i can't even access this this is yeah. like it's too steep it's too rugged it's too rough it's like it's just oh yeah sending a picture to your buddy like i did out the weekend and be like this is a shit hole. i'm not coming back in here. Yeah. yeah he sent me a text he's like okay i'm going in and like i don't even think i finished my coffee and he sent me a text okay that was that was a waste of time that was terrible okay. <laughs> that was yeah that was a bad okay. idea that was a really yeah. bad idea. yeah he's like okay i'm going in Okay, yeah. I'm coming out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it was. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, we have That's areas like that. Too. Oh yeah. Well, you know, sometimes that blowdown area is actually oh. nobody goes into it, and the elk figured out over the years that yeah. And I started getting into it, and I was like, "Well, I need to get to the other side of this." And I was just like, "This is a really bad idea." I was just thinking, yeah. Like, there was an, even an inch or two of snow, man, I'd probably break a leg or something in there. It was so nasty. But mm. at the same time, it's like, oh, what's, what's around that corner over there? I, I bet yeah. it's over there. Looks and good. It was, <laughs> and it was. But I was like, man, alive. This is really dumb. Like, Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing here? And you're oh, not man. ever going back. In your head, you're like, you I'm know. not ever coming back here. I'll try to find a way around it somehow. Oh. I don't know how, but maybe I don't know. But definitely, yeah, not do it that way. That's that, how uh... that whole. I just, you know, it looks so good. I, I just got to see what's over this ridge, or I just got. If I can just get through all this blowdown, it's going to be, it's going to be yeah. magical in the end. Yeah, that's got me through in so much trouble over the years. This yeah. is like it's the curse. <laughs> yeah, what I seem to find is uh, the chest high uh, rose bushes. So you're oh. following the elk trail and the elk trail is awesome. All of a sudden it starts into the rose bushes and it's like, oh my God. You think, okay, well, it's going to go for 10 or 15 yards and it'll be good. No, it's a hundred yards. It's 200 yards. It's like, holy <laughs> crap. Oh <man. laughs> Now, now you're in the middle. Okay. Do you keep going through it or oh. do you turn around and go? Oh, man. And like, oh. Yeah. Wrong call. I should have turned around. Oh it's, it's, yeah. It's going still. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know how those elk do it, but I swear they go into it and then they jump 15 yards over and go again. And then they jump and then they oh. go again. Cause all of a sudden the elk trail just ends and you're in this huge thicket and you're like, where did they go? Like, there's, oh, I know. There's no trail. <laughs> it's amazing but, the stuff they get through with what, how big they are. And especially the bulls. It's like, how the hell do I like, I'm carrying a bow and I'm a yep. person like a fraction of the size of an elk. And I'm having a hard time getting through this. And that thing just is like through it. And it's like, man, yeah. It's amazing. It, it, it honestly shows how tough their hide and stuff is. Cause they're just oh, walking yeah. through it. Yeah. doesn't even phase them. Right. And it's yeah. like, oh, 
but also you got to think they have long legs. So maybe they're like stepping over, you know, most of it where me and you, we have to like push through with our thighs. And yeah, that's yeah, why I love carrying. Down. Yeah. I love carrying my beagle tube or my stick because I can lift, I can lift the rose bushes out of your way yeah. and go through. Not when you're hanging cameras and scouting a new area. I didn't have my bugle tube and I wasn't smart enough to grab a stick because you got your camera in one hand and mm-hmm. you're going, you know, going with the other. And yeah, just you nasty, never think of nasty it though. Stuff. Like I say that all the time too. I'm like, yeah, next time I'm bringing this, you never bring it. It's just like, no, oh, camera, batteries, <laughs> this, 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 some water. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm golden. Then yeah. you get in there like, fuck, I should have brought that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I should have put the camera in the backpack and had my trekking poles. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> that'd be the smart thing to do. But no, I'm not that smart. <laughs> well, you're not alone, buddy. No. Yeah, good. So good. I, I want to get glad. into a little bit of calling here. Um, so August 20, you said the August 25th, it opens for you guys, September 1st. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of just walk us through like how you like your calling sequence going into the beginning of the sequence or the season because the the rut necessarily hasn't started up yet. You know what I mean? Uh, it's yeah. not in that hot zone. So kind of just walk us through like kind of like like how you how how you play your hand at that. So the first couple two or three days, I have to decide what area I'm going to hunt first off, um, and it all boils down to the areas that you scouted. If I know there's an area that has lots of cows, I'm probably just going to go in and the first thing in the morning, basically, my rule of thumb is go in and make two cow calls. And that's an area where if there's lots of cows and I walked in on the trails and there's fresh green poop on the ground, or you can smell elk, it's like, okay, you know they're here. They're not going to be very far. So my first thing is I'll, I'll get in. I'll set up in a little area, kick the ground, you know, down to dirt like I always do, knock an arrow, be ready if something does come out. And then uh, basically I'll literally give one cow cow mew, just a basic mew. <laughs> then I'll literally wait about five minutes. And the reason I'm doing that, if there's any elk in the area, that first sound is going to get their attention. Now they're going to be, okay, where did that sound come from? So after the five minutes, I'll give another one. The exact same mew that you did first, do it again. And after that uh, second one, if there's cows and if there's a bull that has the cows in there already, there's a good chance you're going to hear him. He'll do a little, he'll do a huffing groan or he'll do a chuckle. Or sometimes they just outright bugle, you know, a short little, and now, you know, okay, you know exactly where they are, kind of roughly how far they are. Then you can kind of play it from there. Um, I should back up a step. The first key before I even go into that area, obviously is checking the wind and make sure the wind is right for going into that area. Mm -hmm. That's how all my spots are picked first thing in the morning. Anyways, it's, uh, you know, Literally what I do is I drive my truck to where I think I'm going to go. I'll stop on the middle of the highway, put the truck in park, get outside and have your, air, your, uh, your little wind checker thermals or whatever you're using. And I'll just puff it. 
make sure the wind's right. You're in the middle of the road. You know, the wind is going to be pretty constant. Now you can align it with the two or three spots that you had in mind where you're going to go. So that's one of the, one of my techniques, if I'm going to go with just, you know, after a bull that may have cows or an area that has lots of cows, that's, that's my first thing I'm going to go to. But if I'm deciding on going to, I'm going to hunt like one of the bedrooms, like I, while I'm hunt scouting the previous year, I'm always looking for the bedrooms where the bulls have, you know, stayed solitary and rubbed every, every tree around them and, you know, made that his home for the last two, three weeks. And you know, those areas, they're just, the trees are all rubbed to crap within a six, you know, within a 60 yard zone. There's a major game trail that goes right through it. That's an elk bedroom. So I'm constantly marking those on my map and putting them in my memory bank. And what I like to do the first couple, two or three days, if I'm going to hunt one of those bedrooms, I'll literally go in and I'll sneak in on the game trails to about, I don't get too close to them, usually about 150 yards, 200 yards, something like that. You don't have to get real close. But there, I won't be doing any cow calling. What I'm going to do is I'm going to portray a bull that has just come into his area and just wandered into his area, do a little bit of light rubbing on some trees, and then I'll probably just do little chuckle sequence and maybe a little moan and groan. So little moan and groan would be something like... <laughs> So I'd literally start with that. First thing I do is the raking and then I'll follow right behind the raking with that uh, moan and groan sequence and the chuckle. And then I'll literally go silent for 15, 20 minutes. And if you're, if you have a bull that's in his bedroom, once you do that sequence, you know, two or three times. So I'll usually go silent for about 15, 20 minutes. And then I'll do that whole sequence again. And the reason is just, I'm just trying to get his attention. I'm not being aggressive. I'm just a bull that wandered into this area and this area looks really good. Pretending I don't even know about the bedroom. You know, I'm just a wandering bull. Just, oh, this area looks really good. And just do some little bit of, it's called displaying basically. And what a bull's doing, he's displaying for any cows that might be out in that area. And by raking a tree, you know, you're, you're showing your dominance and how awesome you may look to those cows so they can come have a look. And then you, you follow that up by a little moan and groan and, and a chuckle. What that's meaning is you already have a cow and you're basically trying to, trying to woe her a little bit. You know, maybe she's almost coming into estrus and you're, you're trying to get her to stand for you. So what that does if that bull happens to be in his bedroom he won't be able to take it he's got to come have a look so in <coughs> excuse me in my experience all the bulls i've called in it that do that none of them have bugled they've all come in silent mm-hmm. all of a sudden you'll just see coming down there'll be a game trail and all of a sudden there's an elk coming down it and it's 
he's coming from that area. So, you know, definitely make sure you've had your shooting lane picked out mm-hmm. prior to doing any of that calling. You know, I like to go, go in on the game trail. So I'm pretty quiet, you know, going in because I don't want to disturb this bowl or break any branches or anything like that before I get in there and actually set up and want to make the noise. So while I'm going in there, I'm picking my spot where the game trail kind of turns and goes towards his bedroom. And at that point, that's where I'm basically thinking, okay, that bull is going to be coming right past here. At that point, that's where I'll go. I'll drop back into the bush, you know, 15, 20 yards, and I'll kick another area down. That's going to be my shooting location. So my calling location is going to be over and down the game trail a little bit further. But my shooting location is actually going to be forward and to the side a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, and basically what I like to do is uh, once you get to that spot, after you've done your calling, that's when I'll silently bump up to my shooting spot. And that's where I'm usually waiting the 15, 20 minutes. And after that, if nothing has come, you know, I'm, I'm surveying the area real carefully with my binoculars, looking down the trail as far as I possibly can. Then if nothing's came in that 15, 20 minutes, I'll bump back down to my, to my calling location, do your whole scenario again, and then quickly get back to your, your shooting area. So this is an area, this is a scenario that you, I'm doing solo. Basically. I don't have a, if I had a hunting partner, I would leave him at the shooting location. Um, but this time of year, early in the season, I like to check those bedrooms kind of on my own. It's a really good chance to, you know, shoot a bigger bull or just get video of them or whatever you're doing. You know, most of us want to shoot a bull. So, um, it's, you know, it's selfish hunting. You, you're taking your best little spots and you're getting in there and you're, you're throwing everything you got at them, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So it's, it's pretty exciting hunting, honestly, the because the first couple of days you got to realize that's the dumbest those elk are going to be all season yeah. long, no matter what. And you're just suckering them in. Right. So <laughs> yeah. that's the fun. That's kind of the fun part about it. But yeah. No doubt. If, you, if you get one that comes in like, okay, we got the silent option there that I've definitely yep. seen before. Now, what if you get one that's, you know, a little riled up, like, mm-hmm. let's say, couple days and maybe get that one cow that's starting to come into heat i always where i am here usually september 8th or 9th there's one yep. cow that comes in i always seem to get one riled up then now what if you're kind of getting one that's coming in you know not like screaming hot but you can tell he's he's a little bit more than just like mellow mm. how do you how do you play him in that in that scenario well basically i listen to what the elk is doing you know if you call and he he answers you right away, which if he's riled up, he will be answering you right away. So at that point, I want to find out what direction he's going. You know, is he coming straight in on you or is he actually going somewhere, you know, and bugling on his way? <clears throat> so if that bull's coming straight in on you, he's probably a, a single solo bull, lone bull, just kind of, you know, coming in to check you out. If he's going, say, to the west of your location, He's probably got a couple cows, maybe two or three cows and a calf already. So my whole goal is to find out the direction he's going. And then most of the time I'm on a game trail. So hopefully there's a trail that would lead me in that direction. And at that point, I'm trying to parallel them 
so I can get in front of them, maybe 50, you know, 50 yards, something like that. But then they're going to be off to the, in front of me, you know, could be a hundred yards in the bush. So I, I don't really try to get too close. I just try to parallel them as close as you can. And then at that point, once you get out in front of them, because you're, you're scooting down the trail pretty quickly, you know, and I'm not calling or nothing. I'm just trying to get out in front of them. Once you get out in front of them, now you have a chance to throw a couple of camus and a calf call or something like that at them and actually bring them over to your trail from his trail. So that's kind of how I would handle that one. Um, the main bull, if, you know, if, if he's coming straight towards you, I would just literally, I'd probably just rake a stick or whatever call he was answering to. I would give him that little call. Then I, I would shut up from there. I'd bump ahead, bump ahead 20, 30 yards and kick my spot down in the dirt and get ready to have a shot. You know, let him, if he's calling to you that much, he's going to keep coming in on you. So, but the whole trick is definitely bump ahead and get on the downwind side just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole reason that I kick the dirt, the grass and stuff down is because I want to be able to move silently. If I have to turn, you know, maybe he comes into your right a little bit and you have to turn just a little mm-hmm. bit. Or what if he comes in further over to the left? Now you can actually turn to the left a little more and, mm-hmm. and shoot that direction as well. You can, as long as you move really slow, you can get away with some movement. Just don't be doing any jerky type movements, you know, just when he's looking away, that's your chance to kind of move really slow mm-hmm. and, you know, puts his head down. That's when you draw back or turns the other way. That's when you draw back. No, no sudden movements. Yeah. So moving into like, getting into more of a peak rut season is that more where the bugling comes into like full ass full play well yes yes and no the bugle game definitely comes in um you know you're doing a lot more location bugles trying to find out you know different areas that hold bulls you know so when you say location bugle that's just uh can you throw one of those out for us just so we're yeah so just going up there hitting the high note mm-hmm. and holding it you know exaggerated letting it let yeah. your sound ride the wind currents basically right yeah a little different than what you're doing before there with the moan and groan and chuckle type yeah deal. yeah yeah absolutely totally um and that's basically just you know you're just searching the area trying to find different bulls that want to play um sometimes you'll get nothing sometimes you'll get one bull Sometimes you get three or four, you know, you hit it just perfect. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, getting lucky. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get nothing, keep trucking along and mm-hmm. eventually, you know, go a couple more hundred yards and throw it out again. You'll probably how many get times. Them. How many times are you throwing that call off before you move to another area? Well, uh, probably, honestly, it's all going by the sign that I see. So... But I'll usually, honestly, I'll do it probably two or three times at the most. And then if you haven't, but these are spaced out. It's not like I'm doing a location bugle and then wait five seconds. Oh, man, didn't hear nothing. Fire another one. You know, I'm a pretty patient guy. So I'll usually, no matter what I'm doing, it's five minutes minimum. Just wait the five minutes. And then if I bugled out this way, you know, to the 
say the northwest a little bit the next bugle i'll probably bugle off to the northeast you know give it a little bit different direction hit a different uh different area of the bush basically Mm -hmm. and you know see if there's anything over there it's funny once you do that two or three times those bulls they kind of take note after the first or second one and on the third one a lot of times that's when they'll it'll give you an answer Mm -hmm. but a lot of the bulls here they get bugled through so much they just don't answer the first bugle that they hear yeah so a lot of times you got to be a little more patient and because what guys do here, they, they drive down the oil lease roads and they bugle out their window. They don't hear nothing <laughs> in 30 seconds and they drive away. Right. That's so, my dad. We pull up to my dad. I got to, <laughs> I got to cut you off here and tell the story. Yeah. So yeah. my dad, we're sitting there and we're up calling on this Ridge and this Ridge is probably about, I don't know. My dad couldn't get up. He couldn't hike up there. So he was down below and, he uh he had a hoochie mama and we said okay we'll just get out and just you know do some random calls every once in a while you never know right you never know and like where we were we were too far away from where we could hear him and he he couldn't hear us so we we said okay well we're there for the morning we're like well let's go back and find pops and we'll see how he's doing or we'll go back and get some lunch so we get down to where our truck is and we start driving back and we we start getting close and we're like He's he's sitting and he, he drives uh he drives a Jeep. Um he drives a, a Jeep um Liberty. Is it a Liberty? It's got a sunroof on it. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're, yeah. We're driving down and I'm like, pull over, stop for a second. What the heck what the heck is he doing there? And so I pull up my binos and look out, and he's got the hoochie mama out the sunroof, <laughs> squeezing it. And like, squeezing it squeezing it so we're watching him for five minutes and he didn't stop squeezing that <laughs> oh, that's oh pretty funny God. so we, we pull up we pull up to him we're like how'd it go he's like good i didn't hear anything i'm like no. really huh. <laughs> oh, god. oh god yeah yeah i can only imagine yeah pretty funny yeah well, pretty good chance you're not going to hear nothing if you're in the vehicle still anyway. So you, know, you might get lucky and hear a, a tail end of a bugle or something. But yeah. yeah, the gun could go off in the back seat and he wouldn't hear it. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So that's kind of how, you know, if I'm going to do any location bugling, that's that's what it is. But in all honesty, I don't do a whole lot of location bugling. I might do it the night before a little bit more than anything and just try to find stuff. Um, Is there a time of the day in, where in you find it, wor- it works better evening? Um, I like the evening myself, but just because the elk are normally in their, in their feeding areas, by the time I get to these, these areas and, and throw out that bugle, if they've been in the feeding area for a little while, they're pretty, they're pretty comfortable, I guess you could say. And they're more apt to, uh, to answer back to you, especially the bulls that have the cows, you know, it's dark, you know, it's getting dark or it is dark at this point. They really have nothing to fear with another bull bugling back to them. So, you know, no harm in letting her rip. And if you get a bugle back, you know, okay, let's come back here first thing in the morning and, uh, we'll get back on them. Um, yeah. At that point, you got to be there fairly early. Like we'll leave, we'll leave around four or four thirty in the morning, get back out there, 
and just sit there in the dark and listen to see, you know, okay, have the elk, have they left the pipeline or have they left the cut block or wherever they're feeding at? Because from that point, you kind of have to figure out, and this is what I'm doing the night before as well. I'm trying to figure out the direction that they're actually going to go if they did leave that pipeline or leave the, the cut block. Um, because here, that's pretty much what we have. Well, we have agricultural fields, you know where they're going to go. They're going to go up in the hills and be bedded back in there. Um, it's a little bit more tricky coming off the, the pipelines because they could go down. They could be feeding down the pipeline and you don't really know where they're going to kind of end up. Um, but the cut blocks are a little more, um, I guess, a little more positive to where they have to go because they're going to feed in the cut block. They're pretty much not going to go through the cut block and leave it. They're going to, you know, feed in that general area and go back into where they came from. So, which is, you know, usually at the back of the cut block, back up into the hills, somewhere like that. And they really don't go that far. Even, even from the farmer's fields here, they'll go, uh, if they go a kilometer back in, kilometer and a half that's probably as far as they go mm -hmm. depending if they have to cross any roads or anything to get to where they're going um but honestly there's there's places that i know where they literally go 200 yards from the farmer's field and they bed down mm -hmm. you know if especially if there's a creek or beaver pond or something where they have pretty thick cover if they can get away with going 150 200 yards they'll do it mm -hmm. you know Everybody thinks these elk go, you know, seven kilometers, 10 kilometers, and they go way as far back in as they possibly can to bed. That's not the case. You know, it's, it's just like me and you, you know, you find a good spot. You're not going to go too far from it. Why no, would you? Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they want it as easy as possible. And, and, you know, so if the food's there, especially if they got water, if there's a creek, they're, they don't got to go far. They got bedding right there. They got the water, which they need the water after they fed all night because they go and they chew the cud. Um, basically, they got her made. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I find the same thing around here. They're like um, when you're hunting in those those places close to ag. Yeah, they don't wander too far off their regular path. And like you yep. said, as long as they got water. And like every morning, it was like like <clears throat> this one area specifically. You can see them every morning at the same spot getting water yeah like oh yeah getting water good creek there and it opens up into like a pond area they're in there every morning it didn't matter yeah it didn't matter what what happened the day as long as you didn't spook them you could like on a clock That's... you could you could see them in there and then they then they'd fall back so it was like basically like feed which was the, the egg area creek with the pond and then up the hill and then not far man like two three hundred yards and they'd sit up there yep. all afternoon nice shady area and then soon as it you know, as soon as that sun set on the horizon, man, you'd see them come down, cross the water again, and they just pop the fence, and you could see them wandering in there, and they'd be there all night. And the same thing in the morning. Yeah. Every every time, and like unfortunately, there wasn't a six point there, but yeah, um, you know, yeah, it would work like on a clock, and like exactly how you put it. Yeah, it is amazing actually. Once you get accustomed to watching their routine, and and <clears throat> and are able to watch their their routine like that, you know. Um, means you've done your homework pretty good to find them for one and you know their you know their habits you know a little bit of elk behavior or what they're going to do what they're more apt to do and 
that's kind of that kind of goes right along with the scouting part of it as well but learning the animal behavior which honestly just kind of comes in time you know we pay our dues and year after year you know the elk beat us every time you kind of you kind of get learnt real quick and mm-hmm. if you're not learning from getting beat by the elk you need to start paying attention a little bit more <laughs> you know figure yeah. out why they're always beating you like are you walking the wrong wind direction you know are you just yeah. walking along bugling aimlessly and mm-hmm. have no reason or rhyme to what you're doing um which <laughs> not to make fun of a lot of hunters, but that's kind of what they do. Right. They yeah. just either oh, yeah, they walk. Sure, yeah. A lot of them, they just walk along and they, they cow call yeah. Yeah. everywhere they're going or they're bugling every five steps. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, if they put just a little bit of thought into where they're going and yeah. maybe what's up ahead, you know, and maybe sneak in there two or 300 yards, and set up and then do a bugle and just see what's going to happen rather than just following the game trails or following the cut lines, you know, being, being super lazy and just getting on a cut line and just walking a, a cut line rather than getting on the game trails. Yeah, um, not to attention to the process a little bit and yeah, you know, surroundings, what's going on and all that stuff for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So there's a whole lot of language to it. Like, and you gotta, they're not, they're not just calling for the sake of calling. So it's no, well, like you gotta, you, you gotta think about it too. Like if, if somebody's coming into your home area, into your area that you're used to and they're just making noise, you can be like, what's up with that? Like yeah. none of my other cows do that. <clears throat> Why is that one doing that? It seems a little off where it's like you yeah. said earlier with your, just your, your couple calls and then you wait like oh yeah that's that's more like the rest of the ones i'm with here it might be a new cow but it's not sending off any red flags or anything exactly yeah yeah what about uh challenge call trev when when and Uh, where is like challenge call effective honestly um honestly geez i don't remember the last time i i really challenged the bull a whole lot it's uh I just don't use it. I use more scenario type calling. Um, I, I guess I'm more seductive, I guess, rather than going in. Of- yeah. I'm just always more. Yeah. You have these guys that are super, super aggressive and they go in and they bugle and they lip ball at everything that moves and, and, it, and everything that doesn't move. And my thought is more tactical. You know, if I can do, uh, I don't know, a breeding sequence or, you know, set up and do a tending sequence, something like that. You just, I find it, I have, well, for one, I have more fun because I'm calling and I'm doing something all the time and I'm doing the sounds that I really like to do um, rather than just going in there and, being all aggressive and, and challenging stuff. I mean, there is always a time where, yeah, okay, you've you've walked in, you you got a bull bugling, and you've worked your way in, you've got really close to him. You say you've got, you know, you're inside his bubble at a hundred yards. Maybe you've got lucky, you're 80 or you're 60 yards. Then I'll do what's called the bull calling cows bugle. Um, but it's not really a challenge bugle. The bull calling cows bugle is a 
really short bugle and it's aggressive and you're basically talking to the cows and you're ignoring the bull. So, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just the minute you you start talking to that bull's cows, he gets he gets pretty ticked instantly, right? So he's got to either try to push those cows out of there or he's got to come and fight you. So it makes him have an action. So the bulling, bull calling cows, it's, it's a short, so it's a whistle into a lip ball into a grunt. So it's, so with the reed, it'll sound something like this. So it's pretty short. It's pretty aggressive, but you're basically talking to his ladies saying, Hey ladies, look how awesome I sound. You should be with me. Right. And instantly that bull's going, Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> right. So, but you're not going to just do that call, you know, aimlessly walking through the bush. You're not going to hear a bull bugle from 200 yards away and throw that at him and expect that bull to come over. What's actually going to happen He's going to round up those girls and push them off. Yeah, and once they, yeah, once they start leaving, good luck catching them kind of thing. So that's, that's really a close in call, close in aggressive game. You know, honestly, it's 60, 80 yards at the most. Right. Um, Would that be effective if like, say you're hunting in an area a little thicker, you know, you got a bull in there, you know, he's got cows. Uh, He's hung up. He just, he's not biting. Like you've got good wind. He's yep. just not coming to a sit- to a place where you're going to have a shot. Maybe try that then. Get it like yep. where you've got the ability to get in tight. You can't progress anymore because, like, I mean, without a shot, there's no point in going in there, really. Because yeah, why else would you use that call? Pull him out a bit. You know, you're you're basically at a point now where he's like, okay, well, it's like we got to we got to we got to get up and go, or you know, yeah, he's close enough where he might be thinking, well, maybe my ladies are gonna. Some of them might. You know they might bite to that call. Mm-hmm. See, in his mind, as soon as he hears you make that call, he thinks you're going to sneak in and try to try to right. horn one of the girls out of his herd, right? So he's automatically thinking, "Shit, this dude's coming in. He wants to steal my cows, or steal a cow, or two or three cows." You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to lose one. He doesn't want to lose two or three, and he definitely doesn't want to lose ten, right? So it forces his hand, you know, and when you're that close to an animal for one, you've snuck in on the game trails. You got in close. You were silent up until that point. Now it really forces his hand and he's kind of in a, he's kind of stuck in a hard place because now you, you know, the trail that you walk in on. So you can see if there's shooting lanes up ahead of you. So if that bull comes out anywhere in there, if he walks out at 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 yards, which if you're already only 60 or 80 yards away from him at that point, pretty good chance he's going to be that close to you when he finally shows himself. And the other advantage you have is you've come in on that game trail. Most of those game trails are going the same direction, right? Leading right to those elk at that point. You know, if you're lucky enough to be going right to them. Mm -hmm. Well, in your head, you got to assume that that game trail probably keeps on going right right to where that bull's bugling from. So in your head, you're automatically thinking, okay, that bull's going to be coming from that area. So you can, 
set up your shooting spot ahead of time, literally throw that bugle at them and then jump ahead 15, 20 yards. Right. Now you've got that 15, 20 yards on them already. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, you're not going to be able to go, you're not going to go 35, 40 yards because he's only 60, 80 yards at that point. Right. So you can only bump ahead. Even if you can bump ahead five yards or 10 yards, that still that bull's going to be hearing the sound that came past you. He's going to be looking right through you at that point when he's coming down the trail. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's pretty exciting and fun hunting, but the other thing that you got to realize, and this happens more times than not, once you let that bugle out, those cows we're literally becoming on either yeah. side of you. And right. yeah. I've had cows walk past me at like five yards and you just freeze. Cause you know, if they see, if they see any movement whatsoever, they're just yeah. going to bust out of there and, and the whole thing's over. Right. Yeah. Game over. So, yeah. So you got to really be careful, especially when you're, as soon as you do that call, that's when I bump ahead that five, 10, 15 yards, if I dare. And then I'm totally still. Mm-hmm. You know, so literally have an arrow knocked, have your bow in your hand, do the bugle, and then scoot ahead. So, because you won't have time to, once you get to that spot, you don't have time to take an arrow out of your quiver, put it on your bow. Oh, la, 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 la. You know, you have to think of those things ahead of time. Be ready and, you know, because things are going to unfold real fast. Yeah, for me, man, I've always got like... I have an arrow knocked once I feel like a situation is going to get to a point where I'm going to have an opportunity on any animal. I already have an yep. arrow knocked. Like doesn't yep. matter what I'm hunting. I'll have an arrow knocked and I'll, you know, wrap my finger around it. I'll, I'll truck through the bush and do whatever I have as long as I have it. Because man, when I started mm-hmm. bull hunting, I got busted a lot just fumbling oh, yeah. around and like, you know, and just a click of, and Pete can attest to this, just that little click, that little tick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your arrow hitting the rest or if it, you know, depending on what kind of rest you're using, if it's when you're drawing, you know, if it just taps your riser a little bit, you never know, right? There's so oh. many of these little things and then like it doesn't take long. And then once they look your way, they're on edge, right? Even yeah. if they don't see you initially, they're looking in your direction, you're you're frozen, you can't do anything. Because if you try to draw back yeah. or do anything or move to a place where you're going to shot, it's game over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I always tell everybody like, 90, 90% of shooting an elk is, you know, the setup and be, being prepared for it. So, and it's kind of weird. Like most people will cow call or do something to stop an elk. Me personally, I just simply, I'll raise my bow up and just the act of when he gets to right to where I, where I want him to stop, that's when I'll just draw my bow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just slow but I have my poundage down so I can literally just pull straight back and anchor in the corner of my mouth. If he doesn't stop, then I give him a little Mm -hmm. just with your mouth. You don't have to have a read in or anything, you know, just. Yeah. But like you say, just with that little bit of movement. Yeah. He's good. You know, if he, if, if he noticed as any movement, just how in tune animals are, they notice that they're going to stop instantly, have a look. And that's just enough time to get your anchor get your pin set and then let that arrow fly. Yeah. And when I do that draw, it's when he's, he's in the middle of stepping forward. Right. So as soon as he steps forward, that leg is forward and you've opened up that whole kill area like nice. massively. Yeah. Right. So yeah, if he yeah. does stop, which nine times out of 10, he will, 
because yeah. he's come he's looking for that bull that made the sound so any little movement that catches his eye he's gonna yeah. stop and have a look right and that's a so. good point what you mentioned there because when you're bow hunting it makes a big difference what position his step is in because when he's stepping forward and say you're you got him you're on his right side and his yep. left arm is forward his right arm is back he's covering a lot of vitals with his shoulder blade yeah now with a bullet that's going to bust right through there but with an arrow you can get deflection i mean depending on what how your bow setup is even still i mean arrows a lot totally. different in you know dynamics than an arrow or yeah. sorry than a bullet you can get a little bit of deflection and that can be just enough to send i mean you're still going to get a hit on the animal but it could be you know it could end up not hitting a vital or you know yeah um yeah, that's that's a really good point because that's oh, a lot yeah. of things. Like I don't even, I I always forget to talk about that too when you're when you're doing. I mean, obviously, you know, I've shot enough animals with a bow to know that. Yeah, like with that back leg is the back leg that's or the front leg that's facing you is back. That's a that's a bad shot, right? Especially yeah. on deer, not so much on bear, but yeah, because you're gonna get that <clears throat> shoulder blade. It's it's gonna be protecting its vitals and man, yeah. like arrows, you know, hit the bone and stop or like hit the bone and move towards the left or go to the front or just do funny things that arrows do so that's mm -hmm. a good point glad you brought that yeah up. if if he if his leg is back you're forced to shoot halfway up the body mm -hmm. and back a little bit like mm -hmm. you're you're up you're absolutely forced to do that and if you shoot halfway up the body your blood trail is going to be a drop here a drop there yeah don't matter if you take the lungs out or not it's it's going to be a drop here drop there yeah. Um, because it's simply too high in the, mm -hmm. in the body cavity to leak out. Mm -hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You're going to Versus... get bleeding, but it's internal bleeding. And there's a big difference between yeah. internal bleeding to blood that you is good for you. I mean, yeah, sure. The animal is yeah. going to die, but if you can't find it or you're trailing all day and you get meat spoil. Oh yeah. Do a lot of good. No, that's right. And, and here our bush is so thick, you know, a good hit like that. He's still only going to go 80 to hundred yards. But man, oh man, with no blood trail, did he take yeah. this trail? Did he take that trail? Did he just dead run bolt right mm -hmm. through the middle of the bush? Like you don't yeah. really know. Well, and two is and, when you're tracking animals and you're not getting a lot of blood trail, you're always having the back of your mind. And like, if you've done it before, mm -hmm. if you've bumped animals before and you know, I've done it, you've gone, you've been blood trailing, very little blood in it, and you get to a point and all of a sudden you hear a crash or you get to a point where he was bedded down but he's gone and then that you know right away you know you bumped him and then yeah he's gone now you start now you're starting the process all, all over again but now there's less blood right or maybe yeah. you never find him i mean he's still gonna die he's still gonna expire but you're putting yourself in those situations where you where you don't really have you but then that comes down yeah. to your process right like you know make sure you get your practice and get your arrows yeah. and do all that and like Pete and I were just at a 3D shoot and it was funny because like we were going through these 3D shoots and like the places that the 3D targets have you hitting where they want you to hit on the animal, especially with the young guy, like the young, my son was out there. Right. And like some yeah. people, you know, those aren't ideal shots on those animals. You know, they're a little high, they're a little back, they're a little far. Yeah. But, um, um, so you got to be very cognizant of what you're hunting and, and the kill yeah. shot and all that stuff and know your equipment and know yourself. And yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. See, I would, I would honestly, I'd be terrible at those 3d uh, tournaments because my whole focus is the kill zone. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, and we talked that, about that too. Pete didn't yeah. we were we talking about we had a podcast out there and we we're talking about like they should have a they should have a round where you're 
you're scoring actual kill shots on animal and actual yeah. like compared to the actual 3D uh, yeah. the actual card count. Because yeah. there was one one target, if you remember, do you remember the wolf on a course A is a downhill shot? I had a real hard time seeing the circles. But for me, it was I could see the crease of the shoulder and the leg instinctively all the time. I'll put it right behind that that shoulder kill shot yeah. every time. And you get down there, and yeah, the circles were over like six, eight inches. Like, well, that's not where I would have shot. Obviously, it's where I should have shot. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, no, this is, I would shoot this a thousand times over right in this crease over and over and over. But it is what it is. So, yeah, you definitely got to separate, pull the yeah. pull rabbits away when you go. So, so for everybody listening here, that's what I was doing. That's why Pete got a better score because he was going for the <laughs> yeah. circles and I was going yeah. for the kill shots. <laughs> yeah yeah so hand over that medal yeah <laughs> maybe next year we'll <laughs> yeah so that kind of leads me into like uh even someone like me that i really know animal vitals really well the last couple two or three three weeks before the season opens i'll be scouring the internet and I'll be looking at all the YouTube videos on shot placement, especially when it pertains to elk. You know, I'll I'll watch every video I can find out there. I'll look up every picture you can possibly find. Um, just really ingrain it in your mind. Okay, this is where the actual kill zone is. And once you've looked at pictures and video over and over and over again, it you almost become, I guess, instinctive to where you're going to shoot, right? So, um, but that's one step I always take no matter what. Every, every year I do the exact same thing. I just refresh my memory for the animal anatomy. And it's, it's super important because when you get out there, yeah, you guys know you, you've shot lots. You're instant, instinctively shooting, you know, where you want to shoot. You're putting the pin where you want to shoot. That's all great and fine. But now you have to know the anatomy of where you actually want to put the pin, you know. Yep. And I always say, you know, like aim small, miss small. So just don't take the whole side of the animal and and shoot at the side of the animal. You know, pick a little tuff of hair, or if he's been in the wallow or something, pick a little piece of dirt. Or if there's a little leaf or something stuck to him, shoot that little leaf, you know, or shoot that tuff of hair the best thing you can do is shoot those little spots because even if you do miss, you're going to be out like this far. Right. So versus, you know, six, eight inches. If, if you're shooting out the whole side of them kind of thing. So, yeah. And, so, and we talk about it all the time. There's a big difference between shooting at a target and shooting mm -hmm. at an animal. Huge. difference. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, you shoot with some people and you're sitting there shooting. Like I, I noticed it cause uh, I shoot with my son all the time. He's, he's right into it now and uh, he's getting pretty damn good at it. So we'll be sitting there at a target and I'll say, okay, that hit the middle, put your pin on that middle hole or the middle dot. Yeah. And then right. I'm like, you on it? He's like, that. Yeah. I'm like, Kate, now dot below it, shoot quick. Right. And like, just yeah. to make that adjustment. Cause when you're <clears throat> hunting, you have to make adjustments like that. You, you totally make do those quick little adjustments. And, for a lot of people setting up, drawing back, taking up, like breathing out, letting them, letting their pin settle and then getting settled on their target is one thing. But if you have to make a quick adjustment, 
Yeah. And then release. A lot of people get flustered. They have to start their whole draw process again. And like to practicing things like that makes a huge difference. Absolutely. What if that animal took another step or two after you drew? Mm-hmm. Or what if he actually quartered to you a little bit or quartered away? Yeah. Holy man, now things change really quick. You know, in the blink of an eye, now you're putting that pin in, in a different spot. Mm-hmm. So, and I get, you know, not, not everybody can go out and buy a 3D target, you know, a deer or an elk or a bear, 3D bear target. So what I tell a lot of people, you know, there's feed stores everywhere. There's UFAs. There's like here in town, we have Keddies. They sell tack and Western gear. They, mm-hmm. they sell feed. So all those feed bags, if you go in and ask for like a burlap sack, they pretty much have burlap sacks or they'll have the white sacks. Mm-hmm. Then all you got to do is literally go to Walmart or any of these box stores, get as much of the plastic, you know, wrap stuff yep. that they possibly have, shove as much as you can in there and stand on it and pack it all in yep. and build a little wood frame and hang it from the wood frame. And then what I tell everybody, instead of putting dots on it, draw a front leg, a neck mane, a back and a stomach on that target. So now you actually have a front leg and a kill zone that you can actually shoot at well now for like a couple bucks you have a 3d target you know it might not have a head with antlers and stuff on it but it's a bag that's going to stop your arrows and you have the front leg you have the crease behind the shoulder yeah you can even draw you really need you just need that spot i mean you could even do it with a piece of cardboard in your regular target if that's all you have access to draw the leg draw the draw it put it on there yeah i mean tie it on there just get it on there you just need to get familiar with that kill with those vitals with that kill shot and just yep. go through that movement right i mean you don't it's not a dot but yeah that, that you don't want it to be a dot like that's that's the yeah. whole point you got to get used like now's the time too especially we're getting into august here now's the time where you should be transitioning yep. getting into those to those real life situations and like yeah you know if you're if you're comfortable holding a draw, you know, holding at full draw for five seconds, stretch it out to 10 seconds, 15 seconds, hold it a little yep. bit longer, put yourself in those situations where, you know, your muscles, cause man, I've, I've done it lots. I've sat there and see, see how long I can sit there and hold it mm-hmm. until I'm shaking so violently. I'm thinking I'm going to miss the target. Right. And then you can get, yep. you know, you do it for a while. You can get over a minute, but like, you'd be surprised. And you know, yeah. And there's sometimes where a bull's coming up to a branch and you pull back. And he all of a sudden stops and you have to sit there for 20 <laughs> seconds or he takes, or he gets a little wet. You never, you never know. Right. It like, yeah, you've been sitting everybody there at, dr- at full draw for 20 or three. Yeah, exactly. There's everybody thinks that they can. Oh do yeah. It. Oh, no problem. I could hold it for two minutes. Well, all right. Pull back and see. Yeah. That's Try the thing it. is like, you'd be oh, surprised. Yeah. Put your timer on your phone, put your timer on your phone or get somebody to time you, get your wife, your girlfriend, your kids, whatever, get them to time yeah. you at full draw. And see how long you can hold it. You'd be yeah. surprised. See how long you can hold it before you start shaking too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going to start shaking no matter what. I've sat there like you after 20 seconds, you start shaking, but you can control it with your breathing and you can cycle back into it. But I mean, when you're shooting, you're you know all of a sudden that yeah. figure eight and your in your sights going to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But then you just have to control it. But you can do it, mm-hmm. but it just takes practice, and that's. That that's down comes down to your process and like uh, yeah. we've all talked about it before and like I mean we all do it it's part of your process it's but you got to make yeah. it part of your process and you, I yeah. think it's got it. to be realistic too when that animal comes in 
I mean, your adrenaline's going. Everybody, mm-hmm. that sound of that hoof coming in, the antler touching the branch on the way in, and shit's getting real. And then it's like, you might be in the best shape of your life. You've done everything right. You can hold your bow for five minutes. Yeah. Heart is coming out of your chest. You get that, <laughs> that whole screaming tour. It's right there. And you know, it's, that's your one opportunity that you have. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you right now, it is a mental game at that point. Yeah. You have to keep yourself centered because it doesn't matter how many times I get an elk to come in close. I don't care if it's a deer. If what I'm after steps out in front of me, my heart's going. I love mm-hmm. it. That yeah. going. But now it's like, how do you keep that sight housing nice and still? How do you not move that extra little bit? Because you're sitting there shaking out of excitement in that. Yeah. It never gets old for me. So I know how much, you know, how excited I get, but I really have to, you know, yeah. take a breath and, and get yourself centered before you go through that draw cycle. Yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. there's no amount of bow practice that could put you in those situations. You have to be no. in those situations to get to the yes. point where you're not so excited. You're not, you know, your chest yeah. isn't dropping out of your, dropping out of your chest. That's the only way. And it doesn't matter how many times you shoot your bow in your backyard or in your driveway. Yeah. <clears throat> never going to be, you know, it's never going to get you through that. No, the, the best practice you honestly can have is in those situations. I, I always have a thing in, in my head. I'm a huge Rocky fan. So, when an elk's coming in, eye of the tiger. Get the eye of the tiger. That's just my thing, and that makes me focused. And I don't think of anything else. I just have that total, you know, looking straight ahead, eye of the tiger. I'm focused on the kill zone. I'm not looking at the antlers. I'm not looking at what he's doing. I'm focused on the kill zone, and that's kind of what I do. And the other thing I do a lot is when I call in – other animals, you know, cows or smaller bulls, go to full draw on them. You know, make sure your finger's off the trigger, but go to full draw on that animal. You know, it's going to give you practice. For one, what other chance do you get to go to full draw on a real animal? And it doesn't matter if it's a cow or a calf or a moose or a deer. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's a bear, you know, go to full draw on them. Yeah. It's going to give you that mental, yeah. okay, that was so easy. I got to full draw and nothing happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the time where that nice big six by six does come walking down the trail, you've drew on 20 or 30 animals in your life already at that point. So th- this is just 31. Right. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it starts, I mean, it could start with anything. And I've, I've had friends who got into it and, uh, you know, I put him in situations like I put him into like grouse hunting with a bow. Like just get yep. used to like you said, just draw back on an animal. That's yep. all you have to do. And they, yep. you would be surprised. You're going to get excited because something's happening. It's not a yep. target. Something's happening here, and it, it it's going to get your blood moving. I mean, obviously, you, it's a long way from a six point bull, but it's a start, yep. right? It's a, it's it's something. It's if you never had that experience, and all of a sudden you go to for your first chat, the first time you get a six point bull, and you're drawing back on it. Yeah, man, shit gets pretty crazy the other thing that's really good practice is drawing a squirrel in a tree Mm -hmm. because squirrels move and they move and they move and they move so you'll get your you'll just get settled on them and then he'll move somewhere Mm -hmm. shit now you gotta now you gotta put your pin on him again where did he go you gotta find him again you gotta put your pin on him again then he'll move so it's training your mind okay you're you're settling your pin in 
different spots, you know, at a quick succession because those damn things are fast, right? Oh, <laughs> so yeah. there's been a few squirrels in my life sitting there. I was, fuck, I could have. I was gonna say there's a. There I is thought a about it. I definitely that. thought about it. Oh yeah, exactly yeah. right. Oh, we've all had those conversations. Don't make me do this. Okay, we're here. I don't know if it's worth this arrow, but man, yeah. I fucking sure feel like doing it right now. I know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, Trav, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here, but I want to talk quickly okay. about the calls. Uh, so maybe just mention where guys can get them. And if I'm going to your site, I want like myself, terrible caller. I want to pick up a bugle, your bugle too. By right. the way, I used your bugle tube last year. Uh, it's it was made my calling a lot better with that little the little piece you got on the end of it so much yeah. easier i found way less air getting out the sides and i had way more way more like a forceful call my calling still sucks but i mean i just everything was better about it yeah um, yeah um, Pete and I, no, we talked good. about it after that um yeah it's awesome so maybe just good like that call you were using what call was that we, uh, last that... time we went over the single reads and double rate the double reads so we don't yeah. have to get over that again this one that I was using mostly tonight was the chuckler. So it's, it's, if I can yeah, I got get it. it right in there, there's, there's actually two layers to it. You can see yeah. there's a black layer. So it's a double read, but I have a, I call it my ivory cut that's in the middle. Yeah. So it's just, it's a really sweet read. You know, once you break it in, it's a really good cow call. Um, it does awesome bugles. It just holds the notes exactly how you want it. Right. And so that's the chuckler and yeah. And basically the website's just wapity river outdoors.com and, or you can just phone me direct or whatever, email me or text yeah. me. We're going to put me. all that up to up uh, on the show notes. And I think if you go to the focus web hunting webpage, there's actually, yep. you just click on your little logo there. It says wapity yep. and it goes right to your webpage. So yeah. Hey exactly. buddy, well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Seems like, uh, I mean, you were just in Kelowna, so I had the chance to talk to you, but uh, I yeah. know the list, our listeners love hearing from you. So um, it was great to yeah. talk to you. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me again, guys. And uh, good luck this season, eh? Yeah. It should be you fun. Too. Yeah. Okay, man. Thanks again. We'll see you later. Okay. Watch awesome. out. See you later, Peter. Yeah. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning into the Focus Hunting Podcast. Coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. I want to take a quick sec and make a huge shout out and say thanks to the sponsors of this show, uh, starting with BC's premier archery shop, Hardcore Archery, located right here in Kelowna, British Columbia. Um, AKU Boots, they've uh, they've been supporting the show for a while now. Uh, both Pete and I, we've been running these boots for well over a year. You know, hunting in BC, we face probably the harshest backcountry environment in the world. We've got deserts, Rocky Mountain, extreme coastlines, you name it. Uh, and these are the only boots that have lasted me more than one hunting season. So, you know, they're definitely worth the investment. You owe it to your feet to uh, use AKU boots. Uh, use promo code FOCUS and get 15% off right. Uh, they're probably going to cringe because I always pronounce the name wrong, but uh, it is what it is. Onyx Maps, now available in Canada. Stay tuned, guys. We've partnered up with Onyx, and we're going to be getting you guys some more information on Onyx and their mapping system for Canada. Uh, for those of you in the U.S., you've already got access to it and most likely been using the app. Pete and I got early access to this app, and to be honest, it rocks. Um, but like I said, we're going to get you more information on that, and we're going to be able to get you guys a little bit of discount. Um, 
So lastly, if you guys could please leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening, we really appreciate the support. Love you guys. Until next time. Thanks. Thanks.